Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The entire world has been completely obsessed with and immersed in. The story of Harry, the second son, and leaving the House of Windsor and coming to California with his bride, Megan, who is of biracial descent, and all of the Sturm und Drang that has happened with respect to the royal family. And the journalist Valentine Lowe has written a book called Courtiers, The Power Players Behind the House of Windsor. And he knows quite a bit about this, and it is very much an inside look. And we're going to chat with him right now. Is it Valentine or Valentine? I don't want to mispronounce your name. It's Valentine. Thank you for asking. Yeah, Valentine. Well, it would be very nice if I could ask in a British accent, but I'm going to have to defer to my basically New York base, trying to make it nicer with a little Connecticut veneer accent. Thank you for joining us today. Are you calling from London? Are you in England today? Where are you? Uh, I'm sitting in a hotel room in New York. Oh, how lovely for you. Enjoy my city, my beautiful city. I hope you get to take in a few shows. So, so Valentine, you've written this book, Courtiers. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Is it Courtier? I think it's Courtiers. Courtiers, with an R. Okay, Courtiers. And in the prologue, in the introduction, you tell us that the history of Courtiers has been quite a fraught one uh, and one full of, in a way, espionage and intrigue. Tell us, what is the definition of a courtier? What has been their role? Uh, I don't know what the definition is. It's basically someone who, who works in a court. It's someone who works for a powerful individual. And in a sense, you get the same thing in politics and business. You know, the, the closest advisors to the president um, are, in a sense, a court. But, you know, here it, it's a real court. It's a royal family. And they're, they're, they're the senior people at the heart of things who, who advise them. And sometimes they're the people who look after the money. Big important job that they're the people who organise the ceremonial. But what I'm talking about in the book mainly is people called the private secretary, who's they're essentially like a chief of staff, and um, it's a very important relationship that they they advise their royals or their principals, as they call them. They, they advise them. They, they write their speeches. They um, look after their official engagements. Uh, they, they control who. Um, 
gets access access to them, so they're, they're gatekeepers. And in the, in the case of of the monarch, King Charles, as, as he is now, um, they're the link between them and the government. That's a very important part of the role. They they, they talk to the prime minister's people, they talk to ministers, um, and they, they 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 facilitate that link. So it's 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 incredibly important. Then it's it's a very close role. They they spend a lot of time with them. Um, so it's both it's both both personal and professional. They're, they're doing a job, but they they also have to have a relationship with the person they, they, they look after, and they have to get on with them. And in, in, in a sense, they have to have the same values, because if they, if they don't believe in the same thing, um, it's a relationship that's not going to work. We're chatting with Valentine Lowe, who's a journalist at The Times in London, who has written a book called The Courtiers. And I was very interested. I saw The Crown... Not all the seasons. Frankly, I was so in love with Claire Foy that after she left, I'm sorry. I know Olivia Coleman is the is the cat's meow, but not for me. I, I couldn't stay with it after Claire. But anyway, but but what was but what was so great was this person who basically, along with Winston Churchill, teaches young Queen Elizabeth about her job and how to be a queen but also sets the boundaries and sometimes because of his insistence on royal tradition, you know, it has tremendous impact on the personal lives of the royal family. You talk a lot about that individual in your book and about who he came from and how he came to be, this lineage of the private secretary. Can you talk to us about him? Yeah, so that person you're talking about is um, Sir Alan Lassells, uh, but everyone called him Tommy. He's Tommy Lassells, and he served. He served. Um, uh, let me think. George. He's. He actually served four monarchs in the end. He he worked for a very very brief while for George V. He worked for Edward VIII. He worked for George VI, the Queen's father, and he worked for a short time for the Queen. So that's an incredible uh, track record he's got. Uh, and you know he's he was fantastically portrayed in the Crown, as you quite rightly say, uh, as a rather stern figure with a moustache. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he was such a good character that the. Uh, the, the producers of the Crown, they wrote him into scenes that where he didn't have any part at all in history uh, because he, he he worked so well. They they kept bringing him back from the dead, as it were, because um, uh, he was so so popular. But he 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 very much believed in in looking after the institution, uh, and um, there was there was famous uh, time when he when he. Um, when Princess Margaret, you know, the Queen's younger sister, she wanted to marry this chap called Peter Townsend. And uh, 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 this probably was in the season of The Crown that yes. you did watch. Yeah, of course. Uh, who was uh, an equerry uh, to the king at the time. Yeah, uh, 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 he had been an equerry. Uh, and he was an ex-RAF fighter pilot from the Battle of Britain. He was divorced. And this, this sort of thing didn't go down well in those days. He members of the royal family did not um, go around marrying divorced people. Of course, now they're all divorcing themselves all the time. I was going to say, look, no look who no Prince Charles anymore. is marrying. Uh, I mean, for goodness but, sakes. But it, it, was a different, it was yes. a different time then. Yes. Different time. Yes. Um, and um, essentially, without getting into the, into the weeds of what happened, um, uh, Tommy Lassell's frustrated uh, Princess Margaret uh, and basically stood in the way of uh, her marrying the, the 
chap that she wanted to marry, and and she never forgave him. Mm-hmm. She was she remained quite bitter about it for the rest of her life. And once later on, he was living in a bit of the palace uh, near where she was, and you know he'd retired by them. And and she saw him crossing the road. She's been driven along in the car, and um, she saw him crossing the road in front of her. And it was all she could do not to get her driver to put put his foot on the gas and run him down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she remained bitter to the last. Yeah, well, it also was a terrible strain in the relationship between her and her sister, who I think had a lot of guilt. A lot of guilt. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. And also, pretty, 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 it was really yeah. interesting, that Peter Townsend story, we're chatting with Valentine Lowe, journalist, because at least in The Crown, as it's portrayed, Margaret had an opportunity two years later. She could have married him. In other words, they did this waiting time, this cooling off time. But then for reasons that are not completely explained, she didn't marry him. So maybe she was angry at Lasso because she was really angry at herself. Um, she she um, didn't marry him because if she did, she'd have to give up everything. Ah, okay. Uh, her royal status and all of that. Oh, I see. Uh, and, and she she wasn't prepared to give up everything. She there was a step too far. But basically, in a nutshell, what she was angry with Lassels about was that they had this two-year um, waiting period, and she thought uh, the two-year waiting period would would make all the difference. It'll all, all be okay after that. Yes. But what he didn't tell her was that the government. The government would st- would stand in her way then. So, in other words, the two-year waiting period wouldn't make any difference whatsoever. And if she'd known that two years earlier, she might have behaved differently. Mm. So, that, it, it, it's, it's the fact that the two-year waiting period didn't make any difference. That's what she was so angry about. Let me ask you something. The courtiers, obviously, and this particular one, Mr. Lassell, had enormous influence over a young Queen Elizabeth. Now we've got a much older Prince Charles, and he's been through his own trials and tribulations. Could a courtier today have any kind of an exertion of influence now as it did 50, 60 years ago? You, I, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I think the relationship um, between courtier uh, and principal does change as, as, the, as the principal, as the member of the royal family grows older. Um, the dynamics of that relationship change. Um, Charles, when he moved, when he acceded to the throne, moved into Buckingham Palace. He took with him the private secretary, who served him for quite a few years, and he's known for a long time. Um, so there's, there's real continuity there. And the chap he's got, um, who's called uh, Clive Walton, and he's, he was knighted relatively recently to now Sir Clive Walton. Um, he is a very adept figure, very very good at um, you know keeping Charles happy, very good at giving him advice um, and uh, very good at sort of getting him to do what he thinks he, he should do, you know, not necessarily <laughs> against Charles's will, not, it's not against Charles's will, but, you know, if, if he has a, an end in mind and Charles, should we say, might need a bit of persuading, he's very good at doing that persuading. So, um, you know, the, 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 there's a very memorable bit, which you may have read in the book, um, about Tommy Lassell's and the Queen. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There was a row. At the very beginning of a rain, there was a row about what the, 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 what the, the, the royal family should be called, whether it would be um, mm-hmm. uh, the House of Windsor. Right. Or because cause Philip um, was her husband and he was yes, the man. Yes, Mountbatten. Right. The House of Mountbatten. Um, you know, Philip lost that one, mm-hmm. uh, and he was quite—he was quite bitter <laughs> about that. Um, but um, when when the Queen signed the document saying it's going to be the House of Windsor, uh, Glassell's writes in his diary about um, how he stood like her, stood over her like one of the knights at Runnymede, and that's a reference to twelve fifteen and King John and the Magna Carta and how the barons uh, made King John sign a document. Uh, and the image that Lassell's conjures there of him being one of the barons standing over the monarch, uh, he's definitely saying saying that he had the power uh, and he got the monarch to do what he wanted. it's, It's an amazing bit. It certainly is. We're chatting with Valentine Lowe, journalist who wrote a book called Courtiers, The Power Players Behind the House of Windsor. And Valentine Lowe is a journalist at the Times. He's been covering the royal family for over a quarter of a century. So could you have imagined, let's talk a little bit now about the juicy gossip stuff and Megxit and all that stuff. Let me just ask you right out, in your opinion, in your opinion, uh, was the British press unreasonably hateful towards Meghan? No, full you don't. Stop. You don't think um, so. Okay. I, I think that I think there were there, there was some pieces at the very beginning when we first learned Meghan's name. Uh, there were some pieces which were pretty unforgivable. Um, the, the most notorious of all, I think, was the piece in Mail Online, um, which had the headline "Straight Out of Compton," mm-hmm. which was pretty terrible, racially. Racial stereotyping, lazy, cliched, offensive, and just plain wrong. Mm-hmm. It was awful. But pieces like that were outliers. Uh, there was an awful lot of positive coverage, uh, much more positive coverage uh, than Harry and Meghan would concede. Uh, I remember in in... When is it? Um, 2018, at the beginning of, that tour of Australia, when Megan just learned she's just announced she's pregnant. Uh, I remember writing a piece for my own newspaper's website, um, you know, analysing where we were with Megan, uh, and basically writing a thousand words about how she was a breath of fresh air in the royal family and was, you know, redefining what it is to be. Um, uh, you know, a spouse in the royal family, a female spouse in the royal family. Um, so, you know, there's an awful lot of positivity out there. And the time of the wedding, huge amounts of positivity. So, look, yes, there, the, the, yes, there was some uh, dubious pieces, but the idea that there was a kind of a flood of evil, racially motivated uh, coverage and the press was trying to destroy her, it, it, it's complete nonsense. And there's, there's 
married, they come back from the honeymoon, and Meghan uh, had what, what, the, what the royal family calls an away day with the Queen. So she goes to a different part of Britain, to, 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 to Cheshire, in the, sort of in the north, on the way to the north, uh, and carries out a few engagements. It was just the Queen and Meghan. It was great. It was very important. Uh, we all went up there. I remember seeing uh, the Queen and Meghan get off the royal train together. She didn't often use the royal train. So it, was, you know, it was quite a thing. Um, and Harry in his book, he refers to the fact there was, a, there was a bit of an incident on this thing. There was a bit of a model about who got into the car first or got out of the car first, you know. And you know, people noticed it, and they re- included it in their reports, didn't make a big deal of it. Uh, Harry says the press portrayed the day as an unmitigated disaster. Hmm. And I thought, hang on. I remember that day quite well, and I remember what I wrote, and I think other people wrote nice things as well. So I looked it all up, and I looked up every newspaper, including the newspapers that, you know, Harry and Meghan hate the most, newspapers like The Sun, you know, our tabloids, newspapers mm-hmm. like The Sun and, and, the, and the Daily Mail, which is really on their hate list. And it was all positive, glowing coverage. The tabloids, there, were, there, were, there was a nice picture of the Queen and Meghan sitting next to each other at the opening of some bridge, uh, and they were laughing, they were having a bit of a giggle, uh, and a lot of the coverage in the tabloids was about that. And it was all upbeat, nice stuff. So if, for Harry to get the idea that the press portrayed it as an unmitigated disaster, it's just not... He's just... He, he's got himself in such a... He's so fixated on the media and hates them so much that all he sees is the negative. And if there's positive stuff, he, he forgets it or ignores it or, or can't see it. It's, it's strange and it's, it's rather sad. Do you think there'll be a reconciliation between the brothers? Forget about the sisters-in-law. They hate each other. But what about the brothers? <laughs> what about the brothers? The br- brothers, uh, it's going to be so, so hard um, because... Um, you know, Harry said such nasty things about William uh, mm. and, and revealed so many personal conversations. Uh, I, I, I can't see how, how they reconcile, at least not for a very long time. I mean, you know, if he was my brother, I'm not sure I'd be interested in any reconciliation anytime soon. Uh, but also, in order to re- achieve um, uh, reconciliation, um, you, you have to have kind of these personal, difficult, painful uh, conversations um, which have to be private. That's right. Um, they do. And and understandably, you know, the royal family, well, they're not going to trust Harry, are they? Because everything that's been private, he's put out there into the public domain in, in Netflix shows and mm-hmm. in his book. So how do you the question I'd ask is how do you have the conversations which you need to have in order to achieve reconciliation? Which is going to be pretty hard anyway, given everything Harry said. So I think it may be some way off if it ever happens at all. Valentine Lowe, thank you so much for writing the book and joining us for this conversation. I think we could we could really spend endless time about this uh, because they really are a subject of fascination, Harry and Meghan, for much of the American public, which is very opinionated. We are very divided and opinionated over all of this as well. Many people see Meghan as somebody who has trashed and left her own family relationships by the wayside and is very opportunistic. Others see Harry as somebody who was always born to be the spare and had to carve out a life for himself of any meaning and needed to psychologically shed himself of the royal family to do it. There's a lot of ways to approach the story, but it's always tragic when two brothers, you know, who grew up 
with their own unique experience of both being, right, these two brothers who lost their mother at such an early age, when they don't talk to each other, a lot of people can relate to that because, you know, family strife, it happens, and it's sad to see it. It is. It is. It's very sad. Yeah. Valentine Lowe, thank you very much for being on the Lisa Wexler Show and for writing this wonderful book. It's a beautiful book. Thank you. Lisa thank you very much for having me on the show. A pleasure. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.